This is a recording from a Sunday meeting of the BC Humanist Association in Vancouver. Humanism is a progressive worldview that, without supernaturalism, affirms our ability and responsibility to lead meaningful, ethical lives capable of adding to the greater good of humanity. To learn more about humanism and to support our work, visit bchumanist.ca and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to the BC Humanist Podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our staff or board of directors. So I'm going to start, I was going to start with a question. Um, how many have heard, how many of you, just raise your hand because since I don't have a microphone to go around, how many of you have heard of Freemasonry? So almost everybody. And I'm sure that there are probably um, many opinions, different opinions as there are people here on what uh, Freemasonry is about. So uh, as a... As a um, as I mentioned, um, I'll give a little bit of background. Um, I de- descend from a family of Freemasons, and that's how I first heard about it. My grandmother talking about my grandfather, which I never know, knew. Uh, he died um, before I was born. Uh, he was a Freemason, and that's on my, mother's, on my father's side. And then um, doing genealogy, I found out that from my mother's side, I also descended from Freemasons. Um, on my father's generation, only one of his brothers was a Freemason, but he lived in another state, and when I ever asked him about it, he, as an adolescent, kind of um, didn't want to give me any answers, and, uh, and then I found a little book, in, and the book was in uh, ciphers, so I couldn't read the book, uh, uh, which had the rituals of Freemasonry, and then, so picked my curiosity. And doing my genealogy, I also found out that my great-great-grandfather founded a lodge in Brazil. And uh, actually, last year, I went there. It's another state, and I've never been to the to this state, but I went to see the, the lodge. I went to be at the lodge where my great-great-grandfather founded. And uh, this is the building. This building is from 1912. 19, so it was not the building in which he founded the lodge, uh, because he founded it in 1872. But, uh, and here is a book about the, the organization, the lodge, in this state of Vitoria, in the state of Espírito Santo in Brazil. And that's the front of the, the lodge. And I can, I can pass it around, but, um, you know, I want it back. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, when you think about Freemasonry, you think about symbols. And uh, there are several symbols. One that's the most prominent used in Freemasonry that you see in the buildings. You can see them outside buildings, which hold uh, lodges uh, throughout the world. So when people say Freemasonry is a secret organization, well, if it's a secret organization, why do they show symbols like this? outside their lodges. People in North America, not in other countries, but in North America, people put um, decals on their cars with the symbols, one of those. This most prominent symbol, the square and compasses. Of course, in this particular symbol, you also see the letter G, um, and uh, uh, other uh, rays and other symbols. That so shows that Freemasonry is not secret. Otherwise, you wouldn't find that behind the build, in front of buildings. Also, uh, there are many symbols that you find if you read any books on Freemasonry. Columns. Now you see candles, and you see an altar. Well, it's called an altar. So now we'll, we'll talk more about it later. Um, you also see uh, these boards with different symbols. For instance, um, in which you see columns again, a pavement that has black and white. Um, you see the, um, uh, the sun and the moon, etc., uh, etc. Et That's also part of Freemasonry. And uh, 
we will find you 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 realize why there's so many symbols as you, as I, I proceed. So, also a lot of people think of Freemasonry as being a giant organization because it is. It's universal. It's almost every country in the world, and they think that's um, uh, uh, a massive organization um, with a the the people who like to think of uh, these theories um, about uh, um, uh, governing the world, talk about the Masonic um, group that directs the world and so forth and so on, as if there was a hierarchy that covers the whole world. No, their, their hierarchy is, doesn't cover the world. It's usually need, not even by country, sometimes by country, but other times by regions in the country. Uh, sometimes by each state in a country. So uh, it's not a massive organization with a hierarchy from the top that uh, decides everything that's going to be done all, all over the world. And also, there's more than one Freemasonry, if you can talk about it. Uh, it's, it's, um, there are different groups. I'll, I'll go through them. First is what is called the regular Freemasonry in Canada. Um, or let me be more precise. In BC, that's all you're going to find out. Find the regular Freemasons, so-called regular Freemasons. In other countries, no, you have more than the regular Freemasons. And I'll explain what they're about. There is the regular, the so-called irregular, and then there are the spurious Freemasons, and then there's what's called co-masonry, and what's called just women masonries, Freemasonry, just for women. Uh, examples of um, um, architecture and uh, places uh, of different types of Freemasonry. First, let's talk about, or let's look at regular Freemasonry. This is an example, and I took that, that picture is a door. It's maybe not too clear, it's a door and it's all wooden door, and it's carved. It's beautiful, and it's huge. It's a gigantic door, and stands in the United Grand Lodge of England, England's building, which can go on Queen Street, and anybody can visit as, as, they, as they give tours. So if you go to London, uh, you can go there. And it's, actually, films have been filmed there, um, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And so you see, uh, I don't know if you can see that clear, but the depiction here is a priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant in one of the um, sections of this door. And then on the top, you see a delta with rays coming out of it. So that's from a regular Freemasonry because the United Grand Lodge of England is the re a regular Freemasonry. And they claim to be the mother lodge of regular Freemasonry. It's downtown. It's not. It's not. It's very. It's very. Uh, the question was, what part of London uh, is the the Grand Lodge of England, United Grand Lodge of England? It's in Queen Street. It's very central. It's it's a huge building on a corner, and if you go to a website, you'll find out. Yeah. Then uh, next, this is also from there. And that's if you go look at the ceiling. So the, it, it's very ornate, it's very beautiful. They're high, high ceilings. It's marvelous piece of architecture inside. Now, I'm going to show you, but of course this is United Grand Lodge of England. They, they are the, the top, right? They govern uh, um, the lodges, the local lodges all over England. And even they have branches all over the world. So now I'm going to show you the inside of a regular lodge in Brazil. So it's a little bit <laughs> less ostentatious, but still, you see the symbols, tons of symbols. And uh, this is one lodge. Very, they are very similar to most lodges. That's a regular lodge. Now, I'm going to show you an irregular lodge to see if you see any differences. That's an irregular lodge. There are also delta, and there's a beautiful uh, there are columns, and uh, there's a statue. 
I think because this is from France, it's from the Grand Orient of France, which is considered irregular. Um, that statue, I think, is probably the Republic. Um, so that's an irregular lodge. And then I didn't have a picture of a, inside of a lodge, but you can talk about a spurious lodge. What are spurious lodge? They're also called clandestine, clandestine lodges. And I don't know if you remember in the 90s, a long time ago, there was a big, uh, it was in the news, about a lodge that was clandestine in Italy called P2, Propaganda Due. And uh, Licio Gelli was the grandmaster. And that ended up on one of um, a, 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 a mason, a, a, a clandestine mason being found dead uh, by hanging under the bridge in Italy, in Rome. So uh, there was a, a great um, consternation, and unfortunately a lot of people, because it mentioned, oh, there was this P2 lodge, a, a, a Masonic lodge, thought that, oh, Masons are terrible, they're killing the other Masons because they, that's what they do if they review secrets or if they do something or another. Of course, this is a clandestine lodge. It was not accepted by any other lodges or any other group. It was not part of the Grand Orient of Italy at the time either. And they had been um, 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 told uh, their chart had been taken out away from them. But they were doing machinations on politics and money. And... Um, so, unfortunately, there are some groups that call themselves Masons, and the, you know, the paraphernalia, and maybe some of, even the rituals are the same, but they're used for other nefarious meaning, means. And that was one lodge, a spirit lodge, an example. And then, co-masonry. What's co-masonry? Co-masonry is a, a group of Freemasons who are not only men, because in regular Freemasonry, it's only a group for men not for women. In irregular Freemasonry, the lodges this may accept intervisitation, but most are men, and they may accept as part of the organization, like within the Grand Orient France, to have lodges that are co-masonic, or even just for women, but uh, nobody's forced, and lodges can decide to, to be just for one sex or both. So lodges can decide to be just for females or just for males, or both. But Comesri was created, and it was very popular. That's, this picture is from the beginning of the century, as you can see by the clothing, because one of the groups who really support Comesri was uh, the Theosophical Society. If you have heard of the Theosophical Society, um, uh, a group started by H.P. Blavatsky. And, uh, of course, in that group, there's a lot of uh, um, supernatural events that are uh, occurred, so they say, and that are rec were recognized as being supernatural, about ascended masters and Kutumi and other masters from India, etc. And for some reason, I'm not an expert in theosophy, they decided to support Comesri, and they have many theosoph theosophical members of the Theosophical Society became members of Masonic Lodges Comesons, where men and women uh, have their meetings together. And then we have women Freemasonry. Now, the reason I, I not have all the, I, not all women Freemasonry are older ladies, because the picture is showing older ladies, but from their aprons, from the way they are dressed. I can tell that they are high officer, officers in the organization. So that must have been a meeting where grandmasters or uh, past grandmasters or high officers of the organization attended. So there they are, um, the, free, the women Freemasonry. In this, men cannot go. Just like in men's lodge, women cannot go, men cannot go. There's a, there was a big, uh, sometimes, you know, in the past, there have been concerns, is this against human rights because only for men. They usually do that only for the men's lodge, but, uh, you know, they're also only women's lodge. Very few in Canada, not that many in the United States. It's more, um, in Europe, there are more uh, co-masonry and women-free masonry lodges.
Now, what is Freemasonry? So, uh, let's read this together. Because, whoops, sorry. <laughs> because um, um, I will give you some definition of Freemasonry from different levels. First level, this is from my own lodge. I belong to a lodge. And uh, from the website of my lodge in Vancouver, in North Vancouver, it says, says, Freemasonry aims to promote friendship, morality, and brotherly love among its members. It is by definition a fraternity, comprised of men from every race, religion, opinion, and background who are brought together as brothers to develop and strengthen the bonds of friendship. With more than 3 million members, well, the numbers change, 6 million, 5 million, 3 million, they here in the, on the lower side, is, I think it's more like 5 million in the world. Freemasons belong to the largest and oldest fraternal organization in the world. Freemasonry proposes to make good men better by teaching with metaphors from geometry and architecture about building values based on great universal truths. So, from a humanistic point of view, I have any qualms, I don't have any qualms with that. It's very humanistic in a sense, right? Um, Freemasonry promotes humanistic values then, while also urging us to explore our inner self. But this inner self can be called many things. You know, so from the Freemasons, it's God, divine, it could be conscious, and could be the higher self, etc. And it talks about morality. Now, you have to, to define what that is because in this sense, when, they talk, when, it's, when it's mentioned morality, not in the usual sense, you know, you're doing something immoral, like sinful, etc., etc. Uh, it means the doctrine, the morality is meant as being the doctrine of the right and wrong in human conduct. So what's the best to do in human conduct? If it's uh, a positive thing that you're doing, human conduct, that's morality. That's the one, one, uh, one definition. Another definition. Now, I like that one very much. It's from the Grand Orient of Brazil. And by the way, in Canada, in, in BC, in British Columbia, I, I, I am a, what's called a grand representative. It's like an ambassador, so to speak. I am the grand representative of the Grand Orient of Brazil here uh, in relation to the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon. So I like this definition. I translated it, so it's in Portuguese. Freemasonry is essentially an initiatory, philosophical, philanthropic, progressive, and evolutionary institution whose ultimate ends are liberty, equality, and fraternity. It advocates the moral, intellectual, and social improvement of humanity through the uncompromised fulfillment of duty by the disinterested practice of beneficence and the constant search for truth. It defends the full freedom of expression of thought as a fundamental human right, including all the responsibility it entails it fights tyranny and extols the value showing in the provision of service to the order, to the country, and to humanity. Also, it could be a humanistic definition of a humanistic institution, right? I don't see anything wrong with that either. Next. Uh, now, the Grand Orient of France, which is, and, and of course, when I talk about the, my lodge and the previous uh, slide which showed the definition of the Grand Order of the Brazil, these are regular institutions. They are recognized as regular. Now, this is from an irregular Grand Orient of France, but in their web website, it says that the Grand Orient of France is a humanistic, initiatory, and fraternal, and has a fraternal commitment. And the magazine, you know, the institution, the Grand Orient of France, publishes a magazine and the magazine, do you know what the name of the magazine is? Humanisme. Humanism. That's the name of the magazine. 
Now, that's the Grand Orient of France. What, what happens is in 1877, the Grand Orient of, Orient of France um, became irregular because they decided that the lodges didn't have to require the belief in a supreme being from its members. They could if they wanted, but they were, that was not required. And that's the only reason that it became so-called so -called irregular. Now, yes, the regular, the regular, yes, uh, the question was, did the British require that? And in BC, do, does it require a belief in a supreme being? Yes, they do. In B, and in BC, the only question that you ask from a candidate is, do you believe in a supreme being? And it says, the candidate says yes or no. They don't demand, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, somebody joked, said that, could, could that be the wife? Well, um, they don't demand, um, but it's, it's true, yeah, that's right. That's why it's called uh, regular. Now, uh, there's more, another one, there's a lot of uh, writing here, but uh, maybe you won't read all this. This is from the Grand Orient of France, and it says that um, um, they are the heirs of men and women because they accept women, so who in their own way have worked to improve humanity, and then mention some of the famous uh, French Freemasons and others, Voltaire, Lafayette, Garibaldi, etc., and um, is a vigilant of defender of the principles contained in its motto, which is also that of the Republic, liberty, equality, and fraternity. Liberté, égalité, fraternité. Uh, so it says that the Grand Orient of France is attached to the absolute freedom of conscience, which is guaranteed by the secularity, you know, laïcité, the secularity of institutions. This is why the Grand Orient of France strongly opposes racism and the enemies of democracy. Obviously, in the regular Freemasonry, it's with a magazine called Humanism, it is a humanistic, in my view, a humanistic institution. Now, what does the ritual, you know, Freemasons have rituals. What does it say about Freemasonry? It says, and that's, I can quote, that's not a secret. <laughs> Freemasonry is a beautiful system of morality, and remember what I said about morality, veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. That's why there are so many symbols. And the source of this, this is quoted in the first degree ritual of the order. Another, another thing, Freemasonry has nothing in North America, in other countries, Brazil, some of Europe. They have also um, different rituals besides the initiation rituals. There are rituals that are open to the public in the sense that uh, in Brazil, for instance, they perform, and that's uh, Ian will like that, <laughs> because here he can't perform weddings in BC, but in Brazil, um, they, they are not considered weddings uh, by the by the, uh, by the state, but they, Freemasons can perform reconfirmation uh, ceremonies. Um, and um, it's uh, also a, a, a reconfirmation of a wedding. And also, um, I will quote, for instance, uh, what is written in a reconfirmation ceremony of uh, the Grand Lodge of Turkey which is a regular lodge. Grand Lodge of Turkey is regular. It says, quote, you know, among other things says, the stars and the universe we can or cannot see, with the stars of the universe we can or cannot see, are ruled by an invisible order, which we call the grand architect of the universe. So, an invisible, in, not invisible, inviolable order, sorry, an inviolable order, the, the stars, which you see or cannot see, are ruled by an inviolable order, which you call the grand architect of the universe. Now, this inviolable order, are they the laws of physics? So, because God is not defined, or the grand architect of the universe is not defined, it could be law of physics. And that's, for me, what it is. When I entered Freemasonry, yes, I had my conception of uh, the grand architect was a the regular, original concept people have of God, that was in 1985. Now, uh, we are in 2017, and I think about in 2015, I realized that the, 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 
the grand architect universe are the laws of physics. That's for me. And I don't see anything wrong with that. And that's why I'm still an active Freemason. Maybe some people will have a uh, different uh, conception of it. Now, I won't talk too much about um, um, what humanism is, but you've seen what definition of Freemasonry was. And in all the cases I showed, it didn't seem to contradict uh, humanism. And uh, we know the American Humanism, humanism Association says that humanism is progressive. Remember, the same word was used at the Grand Order of Brazil, that the institution of Freemasonry is a progressive institution. So it's a progressive philosophy of life that, now, for regular Freemasonry, these few words are the ones that um, would clash with regu regular Freemasonry. Because humanism says is a progressive philosophy of life without theism and other supernatural beliefs. But if we took that out, it's, and the rest continues, <laughs> affirms our ability and responsibility to lead ethical lives, the same thing that we find at, uh, at some of the other definitions of Freemasonry, official definitions of Freemasonry, the, to lead the ethical lives of personal fulfillment that aspire to the great good of humanity. If we didn't have this without theism and other supernatural <coughs> beliefs, and had this definition, you could say, well, that's what Freemasonry is. Next. Define humanism from the humanist UK. Roughly speaking, the word humanist has come to mean someone who trusts the scientific method, um, makes their ethical decisions based on reason, etc., and believes that, it, that now this is the, cr the crunch again, the last point, in the absence of an afterlife and any discernible purpose to the universe, human beings can act to give their own lives meaning by seeking happiness in this life and help others to do the same. And the purpose of humanism from our own website was for building a community based on reason, compassion, and hope. So, are Freemasonry and humanism incompatible? Um, there's a, uh, a site where you can go and ask questions, and uh, uh, Rachel in London asked the following question. Is Freemasonry compatible with humanism? Now, Nigel Brown happens to be the Grand Secretary of the Grand United Grand Lodge of England. So, or was, at, at, at when it, that was, uh, 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 published. And he said, the prime qualification for admission to Freemasonry is a belief in a supreme being. Having some form of religious belief is the one thing that all Freemasons have in common, whatever their backgrounds might be. As humanists do not believe in any form of higher power, they cannot fulfill that prime qualification. That is for regular Freemasonry, and that is his opinion is the view, I guess, not his opinion, because he's speaking as the Grand Secretary of the United Grand Lord of England, that, um, I think it's a still a, uh, 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 still a, yeah, current, yeah, current. Uh, the question was, when was that uh, uh, said, and uh, it's uh, current, it's now. So, uh, according to him then, uh, and according to the United Grand Lord of England, supposedly, you cannot, you have to have some form of religious belief. Uh, and because it's a belief in supreme being. However, the, as I said, the supreme being is not defined. So, especially in BC, it's not defined. But, yeah, so you can't, according to him. Um, however, there is a grand, the grandmaster of, of the Grand Orient Lusitano, which is Portuguese Grand Orient. It's a irregular. Uh, his, uh, the worshipful brother, Fernando Lima, he speaks of a humanistic Freemasonry, of which his obedience, his Grand Lodge, his Grand Orient, is part of, of which is part. It, it's, it, it is, his obedience is part of this. So for him, Freemasonry is a humanistic. There are different types of Freemasonry, but there is a humanistic Freemasonry. However, now it goes to the however, on the other hand, 
I'll read from a statement by Brother Sieli Laikets and worshiper Brother Vremzi Samver, who is the Grand Master of the Grand Orient of Turkey, and that happens to be a regular Freemasonry. And that's what it says about the Grand Architect Universe. Remember, it's all metaphorical. It's allegorical. It's not to be taken literally when we talk about the Grand Architect Universe. What's important is to conceive the Grand Architect Universe as a reference point, which enables the working of the system and not to impose it as dogma. With this reference, each Freemason has its own concept of God. As I said, laws of physics, your conscience, what could it be? Which could be God as defined by Christianity, as well as an infinite, absolute, and perfect truth that man sees transcending himself. Therefore, there is not and cannot be a Masonic definition of God. On the contrary, Freemasonry, accepting candidates' belief in a supreme being, teaches them to answer all metaphysical questions with their own conscience. Accordingly, there is no place for dogmas, prejudice, and ready-made formula. Every individual brother faces his own conscience and has to answer his questions by himself, through the help of mind and wisdom, and without using other people's argument. Otherwise, it would be as if Freemasonry was offering a preconceived formula, a dogma, or a doctrine in order to find the truth. That would be contrary to the principles of symbolism, the aim of the initiation, and the very reason as to why Freemasonry exists in the first place. And that's coming from a regular, grandmaster of a regular institution, a regular Freemasonry. So there's one part of the coin, and then there's the other part of the coin, both even in the regular Freemasonry. One um, product of Freemasonry is its philanthropic side, which is also very humanistic. Internationally, for instance, in England, 33 million pounds per year are disbursed towards philanthropic organizations to help Freemasons, but not only them, their families, and the public in general. Also around the world, millions are giving to charity, U.S., Brazil, etc. In Canada, support for learning centers for dyslexic children is one of the philanthropic aims, and even in Vancouver, at the Grand Lodge building on 8th Avenue, which is um, being uh, moved because they're going to build a new building in the same spot. Um, there is a, a, a learning center for dyslexic children. There are also a funding of medical research in universities and hospitals um, for puzzles of the mind, that they call it, which is issues dealing with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and other neurodegenerative uh, ailments. And they give, um, we give, <laughs> Freemasons give, they give $400,000 $400, annually for that. In BC, 100000 annually is um, disbursed for bursary funds for children and relatives and uh, um, grandchildren of Freemasons to go to, to school uh, to help with their education. We, there's also a cancer care project serving 3,000 clients per year. That's when people have to come to Vancouver to go to cancer clinic. They go and pick them up at the airport. They take to the appointments, etc. Money is given for the BC Children's Hospital Foundation, the BC Guide Dog Service, St. Paul's Hospital, half a million dollars every year. And local lodges, even local lodges, can have their own little projects. Lynn Valley, for instance, gives donation for a local North Vancouver women's shelters. So, as you see, that's very humanistic. <laughs> but how did Freemasonry came about? And uh, I mentioned 300 years. We cel we cel they celebrated 300 years of uh, institution. Why 300 years? Because in 1770, June 24, 1717, the Grand, Grand Lodge of England, now United Grand Lodge of England, was organized. What it meant is three lodges that already existed in London got together and said, we are going to create a body to rule Freemasonry and to organize it. And uh, some people say now, historical research has been done that seems, it seems to have been later than 1717, but just for a few years, like 1720. But the 
it, as up to now, they always thought it was organized in 1717, so to 2017 is the, the anniversary of it, and it was celebrated. And um, what time, when you think about um, culture and time uh, at that time, 16, uh, 1700 and 1800, late 1700 and 1800, what comes to your mind? Enlightenment, yes. Someone said French Revolution and enlightenment, the period of enlightenment. Also, in the 1600s, in England, an institution called the Royal Society came to being. I'm, some of you may have heard of the Royal Society, it still exists today, but Royal Society, all the scientists, the eminent names of philosophers, uh, biologists, um, scientists of the time belong to the Royal Society. So, um, and the founder of the Royal Society is El Elias Ashmole. He happened to be a Freemason. Even, and he was initiated in the 1600s before this body called the United Grand Lodge, or the Grand Lodge of England at the time uh, was created because lodges already existed. And um, therefore, if you make this connection, uh, we can say that the way Freemasonry is organized, the modern Freemason from 1717 onwards, is a product of enlightenment. John, John, Locke, John Locke wrote, he wrote a letter uh, concerning toleration he also was a Mason, but who also was a member of the Royal Society and a Mason, Sir Isaac Newton, and 20 Grand Masters of the Freemasons were members of the Royal Society from 1719 to, 18 to, to 1828. In 1723, of the 200 members of the Royal Society, 40 were Masons. In 1725, 47 were Masons. And on 1730, 97 were Masons. So there's a big interconnection between the Enlightenment, those names, and Freemasonry. Moreover, Masonic ritual to this day exhorts its members to study, quote, the seven liberal arts and sciences, unquote. And, quote, to study the hidden mysteries of nature and sciences, unquote. So, other people were Freemasons, and there are many pictures and paintings of him uh, wearing his Masonic apron. Another person was a Freemason, Peter I. That's, I put him there because it's for my country. He was emperor, and here he is dressed in his emperor clothes and all his Masonic uh, clothing. Uh, attire, first emperor of uh, Brazil. Bolivar, El Libertador, also a Freemason. And his, this is actually his apron. That is, was his apron of uh, Bolivar, Simon Bolivar. Other people were Freemasons, also names that humanists can, um, can uh, empathize with. And, and uh, Mozart, Voltaire, uh, the, the, let me tell you about Mozart. Um, the Magic Flute is a Masonic opera. And, uh, and, and most of the time they don't show the whole um, Magic Flute, but a few, many years ago they showed the, the, the original, like from the time of Mozart. They, they cut uh, uh, some pieces, uh, they show the whole thing, and it's here in Vancouver, the Queen Elizabeth, I went to see it. And any Mason going there, would recognize that it is um, a ritual uh, of Freemasonry that's shown to the public in other ways, but a Mason would, would know everything that's going on on that, uh, on that stage and, uh, and realize that that's the, 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 a degree. Um, Condorcet, D'Alembert, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Marquis de Lafayette, who helped with the uh, American Revolution. Mark Twain was a Freemason. 
Atatürk, who created the um, Turkish, and why you know uh, Turkey became from you know coming from the seventh century to the twentieth century because of Atatürk, uh, a, 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 a country where most people are Muslims, but it's a secular country. Unfortunately, that seems to be changed right now. But uh, Atatürk was a Freemason. Oh, Jess Jackson. Jess Jackson. So all people involved in human rights and um, striving for betterment of mankind. Salvador Allende, in, from Chile, a Freemason. Alexander Fleming, Goethe, the great German poet and um, playwright. Rudyard Kipling, Lessing, Franz Liszt. Federico Garcia Lorca, Giacomo Puccini, Sibelius from Finland, and John Diffenbaker from Canada. So I, there, I, that, there, there's list, the list is immense of every, almost every important luminary through history. Not all, but a great part were Freemasons, and I just chose a few ones. And what do we have in common? That besides the fact that we, we talked about the philanthropy um, between, you know, humanism um, uh, is in favor of the betterment of people and uh, of uh, liberty, fraternity, equality also, and providing help to those that are needed. Um, another thing that um, humanism has in, in, in common with uh, with the Freemasonry is the fact that uh, they can they have been persecuted and uh, they can be persecuted and that's because we have the same enemies. <laughs> I'm putting here up the declaration um, of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church in Eminencia Apostolatus et Pespecula, a papal bull dated April 28, 1738. It was published by Pope Clement XII condemns Freemasonry, and excommunicates anyone joining it. And this penalty is still in force today. Now, what happens is, any authoritarian regime, the first thing they want to do is to stop Freemasonry. We found that out in Maria Teresa in Austria in 1743. Mussolini's Italy. It happened in Hitler's Germany. In Portugal, by Salazar, who was a dictator. Franco's Spain also suffered, the Freemasons suffered. Soviet Union, it's outlawed the mainline China. It's banned in all Arab countries except Lebanon and Morocco. And however, a communist country, because Soviet Union of, uh, didn't, uh, prohibited it, but Cuba, it was never, it was never, never prohibited. So Freemasonry has been able to continue in Cuba uninterrupted. I don't know why. I surmise that probably Castro had probably some supporters uh, when um, the revolution occurred in, in Cuba. That's my, I don't know for sure, and I don't know, have, any, have any historical, but, but I think that's probably the reason. Because as, I say, as you can see, Freemasonry has always been in favor of liberty and, and um, and um, um, on trying to get a, a more equal and better society. So maybe that's why. And of course, regimes that are autocratic fear uh, Freemasonry because we have the same, they have the same uh, beliefs as um, humanists. Now, I just want to give you an example of a, a A campaign that we, we have that Freemasons have had in BC recently. Actually, the May the month of May was Civility Month. It is to try to inspire civility among people because, as you can see in the today in in, in government um, in many countries, <laughs> I won't name it <laughs> one is specific. Uh, there's a lack of civility, so. Um, they had initiative, an initiative. The Grand Lodge of British Columbia Yukon had an initiative to inspire civility in its people. It talks about civility. It's uh, all about manners, politeness, courtesy, and ethics. 
Civility in action demonstrates consideration, sensitivity, caring, and kindness in the way we treat each other and our surroundings. Civility code of conduct is based on three R's, respect, restraint, and responsibility. What you're suggesting is civility is best in its best form and not new world political correctness. We believe it is possible to disagree, but done so in a code of conduct denoted by respective communications and actions within society. In other words, if one behaves like that, one will behave what? Like a Freemason would, and that any this decent individual would, right? So, which is something that humanists would subscribe to. Now, to finalize, here are some comparisons, comparisons between humanism and Freemasonry. So humanists celebrate life, and Freemasonry wants to improve humanity. Humanism, humanists are independent thinkers. Well, Freemasonry wants the research for truth, and if you search for truth, uh, you have to think. Humanists want to use reason over faith. Now, in Freemasonry, we have reason, but in parentheses, it's written and faith, because depending on which Freemasonry, regular or irregular, or which interpret, even in regular Freemasonry, which interpretation of regular Freemasonry, uh, in all cases, we are, Freemasons want to use reason if they want to attain truth. But in some cases, like the Knight Knowledge of England, they require a faith. Now, humanism wants a well-rounded individual progressing uh, in Freemasonry, as I mentioned. Even the ritual says you are to give great uh, attention and follow and study the liberal arts and science. Humanism, ethics, once, you know, is important. The same for Freemasonry. Ethics is important. I think I have another five minutes <laughs> or four minutes before I, I, I finalize. I passed my book. I hope somebody has it. Yeah. <laughs> And I've, I've just, I, was just, I was going to pass it around, but it would be too complicated. But I just let to show you, like the universality of Freemasonry, I have uh, different publications here. One is from France. It's um, called Travaux de la Loge Nationale des Recherches Villa de Honocourt. And that's published by the Grand, Grand Loge Nationale Française. This is a regular Grand Lodge in France. And uh, so. They put this, this is one volume. They have several volumes, and uh, it's very thick. Has 200 and almost 300 pages, footnotes, quotations, etc. Um, and some of the subjects, just to give you an idea, sacred geometry. Um, they talk about uh, the de-Christianization de de of the high degrees. Uh, because we have many degrees. Three are considered the, the basic degrees, and that's, you know, everything is contained, supposedly, in those three degrees, but there can be specializations and go up to 33 degrees. And the higher degrees, at the beginning, they were, have a great Christian connotation in all types of Freemasonry, and then they were de-Christianized de in the 19th century. Uh, you know, luminism and so forth and so on, they de-Christianized de de it. So there's an article about that. It's about, um, an, art an article about Euclid, Vitruvius, um, an article on the original Hebrew words used in the high degrees. Uh, no, not in the high degrees, in the, in the three first degrees. Um, and uh, also uh, an article on the first chapter on Genesis. That's from France. This is from Grand Lodge, United Grand Lodge of England. It's called Ars Quatur Coronatum. And uh, yeah, this is Latin, but, uh, but the, the publication is in, is in English, of course. <laughs> the French is in French, yeah. Um, and also tens of notes, and it's, it's no small print. Um, 
Masonic History and Historians uh, is one of the uh, articles. Um, the dating of Masonic records. Um, why was the craft de-Christianized? The United Grand Lodge Movement in South Africa, etc. And uh, it's more historical. They tend to be just more historical, not so much esoteric on, on symbolism and, uh, and metaphors. And then magazines. Brazilian magazine from that's from a Grand Lodge, not the uh, Grand Orient of France, but a Grand Lodge which is also is also a regular. And Italy from Grande, Grande Oriente d'Italia, Hiram is called beautiful. And another another one they, uh, the the Hiram was first, and then it was uh, followed by. Uh, what's called Masoneria Oggi, Mas Masonry Today, is an Italian publication. Also very interesting. Um, and this one talks about Declaration on the Principles of Tolerance, Reflections on Tolerance, um, Kipling and Freemasonry, etc. So you can see by the articles very much what humanists also would uh, pursue. There's so much to say. I didn't want to be gone in all kinds of directions. That's why I, I created this, um, uh, this presentation. Um, and uh, my time is up. Uh, I will answer questions if I, if I know how to answer them. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you very much.